Now I know why people fall in love with it. Even this little taste, I've only been here 24 hours. I'm already in love with it. It's just kind of magical. I think all the photos and the documentaries you watch and you think, yeah, it's pretty good. But it feels amazing. I think everything is in its right place and kind of allowed to do what it's always done. Mm-hmm. And it, you kind of feel that. When you're working out here, you can look in every direction and you don't see any signs of habitation. And until you're actually doing that, it doesn't occur to me just how special that is. But when you're there and you're in amongst it, I'd, I'd make sure I look up every once in a while and go, wow, you know, look, at, look at this place. What a privilege. We're in the far corner of the southwest wilderness the largest national park in Tasmania, covering over 600,000 hectares of land. A place that's been recognised by the World Heritage Committee for its outstanding universal value. You can only reach here by air, boat, or over a week by foot. I'm here on a mini kayaking adventure with my partner. When I leave in five days' time, Eddie will embark on a major expedition – kayaking from Melaleuca, a remote settlement in the southwest, all the way to Cockle Creek in the far southeast of Tassie. I've done a little bit of paddling in remote areas before, but I'm very much a novice. We both love going to places where it's just us and nature. We've arrived by air. We chartered a plane to fit in the two three-piece kayaks. The airstrip is at Melaleuca. This is the place where bushwalkers either fly in or out of, and where those who just want a brief glimpse of this extraordinary wilderness, without the hard slog, arrive for a day trip, or an overnight stay, for a glamping kind of experience. Anyway, welcome to Malaluka. As soon as we arrive, and disembark from the twin-engine aircraft, I feel it. It's as though the burdens you carry around with you, consciously or unconsciously, all just melt away. It's sublime. My God, what a place. (laughs) As we're unloading the plane, I see a woman waiting on the tarmac with her backpack. She looks to be in her 60s, long wavy grey hair and a very open face. She has a vibrant look about her, as though she's been on a yoga or meditation retreat. I approach her and find out she's been walking the Port Davy track. She doesn't look like she slept in a tent for six nights. Well, I'm Felicity. I've just finished walking the Port Davy track, the old Port Davy track. So we started with a group of four other guys. Uh, we started at uh, Scotts Peak Dam on Monday and, uh, and we've walked about sort of six to eight hours a day and... I uh, found some beautiful campsites and uh, had a great adventure yesterday. We were climbing Mount Rugby, but instead of taking what they call the tourist route, we went from the Port Davy track side uh, to go straight up the side of the mountain, thinking that it was going to be two or three hours. No worries. And it took us five hours to get to the top, and we're scrambling up through the rocks. It was so tough. We got to the top, and we met these beautiful people who'd come up the tourist route, 
And uh, they offered us that if we walked back down the tourist route, they would paddle us back to our campsite. We were so grateful. I was so grateful. Oh, my gosh. How many times have you been into the southwest? Uh, this is maybe my sixth or eighth time. What is it that brings you back all the time? Oh, the spaciousness of it, especially on this end, the Port Davy end. You get into these great bowls of land that are rolling hills as far as you can see and there's just you and a white quartz track disappearing off into the distance. It's just heavenly. After unloading, we make camp and prepare for our three-day paddle into Bathurst Harbour, a sheltered waterway south of Port Davy. The harbour is a marine nature reserve and part of the Tasmanian Wilderness World Heritage Area. Before we set off, we check out the remnants of tin mining that happened here in the southwest. The most famous story is Denny King's. He's known as a legendary bushman, whose activities there ranged from tin mining to helping draw attention to the critically endangered orange-bellied parrot and getting the area recognised as world heritage. As we learn of the creation story during the Needwani walk at Melaleuca, I contemplate the kind of attention that's given to Denny King and the other white settlers who came here to mine, fish and earn a living. Denny has been knighted King of the Wilderness. Only now is Tonga Lengeta becoming known as a powerful resistance leader who for years fought off invaders in his Oyster Bay nation, now southeast Tasmania. His story has only recently been unearthed. We set off from Melaleuca Creek and paddle out into the harbour. There's a strong sea breeze. After a couple of hours, I become weary. We find a cosy inlet out of the wind, a possible camp spot for the night. We paddle right up to the shore. The view is spectacular. The magnificent Mount Rugby is right there. So yeah, we perched on a grassy patch right at the edge of the water. It was such a beautiful afternoon and evening. We, we cooked up a yummy tomato spicy sauce for egg pasta with Romano cheese and a nice cup of red wine. Taking in the view and the incredible feeling that this place gives you. I'm feeling really tired, really exhausted, in a good way, I think. Oh, ready for bed. <sighs> the birds are still chirping, having the last little hurrah before it's dark. Good morning, little bee. <laughs> Today's the hot day, isn't it? Do you have a plan for today, Bea? Uh, no. What do you think? Leave camp here and do a day paddle. And come back here tonight. Mm -hmm. That would be nice. It's about 8k return to that Balmoral beach. I, I do think it would be nice to stay here one more night. Are we doing it? Yeah. Come on, B. 
We paddled this morning from our little spot at Iola Bay and made our way to Balmoral Beach. And the conditions this morning are just very calm. And yeah, Balmoral Beach is uh, amazing. It's like this lovely, like crunchy sand. And there's a beautiful tea tree forest edging the beach. And as you can hear, the march flies are around. Uh, you can always hear this constant buzzing. What First clouds. Oh, yeah. Oh, that one bit here. As we're luxuriating on the beach, completely alone, despite the incessant march flies buzzing around us, a motorboat makes its way towards our beach. It's our pilot, with a load of six to eight tourists on a day trip. They make their way to shore, and the pilot arranges a table on the white gravel beach, and dishes out lunch and pours wine for his guests. He offers us some, as compensation for intruding on us. Would you guys like a, uh, a little wine here? We've got a... Absolutely. <laughs> I've had to quickly grab my sarong and wrap it around me, as a moment ago, I was completely naked. Their presence on this beach and the fact that they've flown in and come by motorboat to a remote beach in the southwest wilderness makes me wonder, is a place still considered remote when you can reach there from a capital city in 45 minutes by plane? And when does a place that is remote stop feeling remote? There are approximately three flights in and out of the southwest a day. Felicity Ambrose, who I spoke with earlier, talked about the increase in visitation. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot more activity, a lot more kayaking trips and, um, you know, tr- sort of tourist, what we, what we call white sheet experiences going on. Um, but white sheet experiences? Oh, people fly in and go and stay in a cabin up the, up the waterway there and, and have beautiful white sheets and get wine every night and and live a very luxurious life for a few days. Yes, so there's a lot more movement around here, but then everyone disperses off into the wilderness and and it's as though, you know, there's just the orange-bellied parrots and the wind and that's it. Oh, that's good. So you do really feel... Oh, yeah, 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 you do. You're in a remote place. Oh, yes, definitely. What really strikes me is the kind of people who come to places like this. On one end of the spectrum you meet people who want to come to these kinds of places with ease and have the luxuries and comforts they have at home. And then you get people who are on some kind of pilgrimage in search of something. Kathy Campbell, who I met back at Malaluka, arrived a day after us. She wandered into the tea tree forest looking for a place to pitch her tent. I found myself intrigued by her. A woman in her early 70s setting off into the wilderness alone with a backpack. I guess I'm here looking for my husband. <laughs> Which sounds a bit stupid, but it's that's pretty much what I'm doing. I think I miss him every day, even though he's been gone for nearly 20 years. And I think I'll just keep going to all the places that he used to love and spend all his time in and got all his kind of calmness and that wonderful love he had in him all the time. He was a really enigmatic person. On the outside, he was the tough kind of sergeant major kind of bloke that 
could organise anybody anywhere, anytime. And he had this really soft side. And places like this is where he found it. I can remember when we walked together and you could feel all the tension just draining out of him the higher we got in the mountains. <laughs> I, thought, yeah, I think we, that's what we enjoyed together the most, that we just felt like we were at home in places like this. I mean, isn't this just spectacular? Look at it. Mm. That white blossom blowing across us here. You'd hardly know if it was the rain shower that happened ten minutes ago or the... Yeah. the <laughs> it's all just so right and beautiful and everything in its place. Others I meet on this trip feel equally as fortunate to be here. A couple of marine biologists from the University of Tasmania tell me how happy they are to be out of the lab. David Marino and Graham Ewing are here studying an endangered and microendemic skate. I guess it's not that usual that you get to work on something that is truly enjoyable. And on top of that, you get to come to places like this. It's, it's Yes. In a wild place. It really is quite a privilege to get to, uh, to do what we love for a living and on top of that get to do it in a place like this. It's, it's uh, pretty spectacular. Yeah, it's weeks like this that remind you why you got into this in the first place, I think. Yeah. All uh, jobs have pros and cons. This ooh. is one of the pros. <laughs> we make our way back to Melaleuca after exploring as much as we can of Bathurst Harbour in three days. This place really has left an impression on us. It's not just the place, though. It's the intrepid people who come here. You know they feel it too. The feeling that this place gives you. Gratitude for the gifts of nature. 